And thank you for being here. Happy Easter. Let's get started. The title of the message this morning is quite simple, and it's a question. It's why three days? Why three days? I grew up in the church. I grew up celebrating Easter. I grew up getting Easter baskets and getting new clothes and all those sort of things. And I grew up understanding the, the, the Easter story. And it's a beautiful story. It's a wonderful story. And, and basically on Friday, we celebrate Good Friday, which is the day that Jesus was uh, basically crucified. Saturday, we kind of have a, an off day, I guess, depending on who you are and what you're used to. And then, of course, Sunday is Easter Sunday. So we have three days that we look at. But why three days? Why couldn't have Jesus just died on Friday, he he dies on the cross, and about five minutes later, Jesus comes back to life? Why couldn't that have happened? Why do we have to have three days? And some of you, my theologians in the crowd, are saying, well, yes, because prophecy said that this was going to happen. It was going to happen three days. Yes, yes, I understand that, but who gave the prophecy? God did. God didn't have to have three days. He chose three days. Why? Why do we have three days? Why do we need three days? Well, there's probably lots of reasons. But I believe that we can learn something from each day. Each day had something that we can learn from. And I'm all into learning, and I want to learn more about this. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, is we're going to talk about these three days. What were they days of? What can we learn from them to to, to use them in our lives now? The first day, of course, is Friday. Friday, if you have your notes, they'll, they'll be following along. And then, of course, we'll have the notes up here on the screen as well. But Friday is the day of pain. Friday is the day of pain. Let's look at Mark, the 15th chapter, 15th chapter, starting with verse number 16. It says this, and the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together a whole battalion. Now, before we go on, a battalion is about 600 men, okay? We always have this picture uh, of, of Jesus in this scene, and about maybe five or six. This is 600 men. This is a whole battalion of Roman soldiers, and they clothed him in a purple coat, cloak, excuse me, and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put on his own clothes on him, and they led him out to be crucified. I do not want to this morning get into an overwhelming description of crucifixion, but just so you know, crucifixion has been and is the most terrifying, most horrible way that man has ever conceived for another man to die. The word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. We did not have a word to describe it, and so we had to make up a new one. This was the most horrible, terrible, painful way to die. Now, I chose this portion of Scripture because I thought this was somewhat tame. But before this has happened, Jesus has been flogged. He's been beaten beyond recognition. His face has been beaten so bad he can't even see. And now 600 men have gathered around him, each ready to take a shot. This hurt. One of the most simple, easy things to understand in all of human history. This hurt. This was terrifying. This was not something that was a day in the park in any way, shape, or form. But I want to talk this morning a little bit about pain. I want to talk about the types of pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. The first first type of pain is obviously physical. A physical pain. And, And I remember as a kid growing up, and some of you know this, some of you don't. My father is diabetic. He's, he's type 1 diabetic. He, he became diabetic when he was 17 years old. And as a child, I grew up watching my father every day, multiple times a day, sticking his body with needles. All the time. 
And I remember as a kid going, Dad, doesn't that hurt? And my father, being the great guy that he was, was like, oh, it's not so bad. I remember my father taking, and he still does, when I go to visit him, he has this little stick. And he puts this sharp object in. Some of you that may be diabetic or have family members that are, and he'll take that and he'll put that on his finger and go, click, and that needle will shoot in. It hurts. Physical pain hurts. Again, pretty simple, huh? But we forget that. It hurts. And Jesus experienced that. He experienced it in a lot of ways. Listen, if you're physically hurting today, Jesus gets it. Do you understand that? Jesus gets your pain. Jesus has experienced your pain. When you wake up in the morning and things hurt, Jesus knows. When, 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 when you fall down and you scrape your knee, Jesus knows. I love the fact that when I was a kid and I would ride my bike and I, I remember going around a corner once and I took it a little bit too sharp. And I've learned something about concrete and skin. Concrete is undefeated. And I remember I came around a corner and my knee went down. And for about five feet, I decided to see if my knee would win or the concrete would win. The concrete won. And I remember sitting there and hurting. And I remember my mom coming and she grabbed me and then she took me. And then, and then she did one of the most horrific things ever in the history of man. She got out this brown bottle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, Mom, just cut it off. You know what I mean? Like, cut the limb off. That would be less painful than the peroxide that she was going to pour on it. And she would pour that on there. And it would begin to buzzle. Uh, buzzle. It would begin to bubble and fizz. And I was just sitting there, and I'm going, <clears throat> and Mom would be blowing on it. And, of course, that didn't help at all. You know, and you're just sitting there, and you're dying, and you're dying. And I remember this. I'm thinking, you know what? Jesus gets it. Jesus understands. I love that we have a God that doesn't look at us in a way that basically doesn't get it. He relationally understands us because he's experienced it. He's been there. He's done that. There's nothing better than a firsthand witness. And Jesus is that for us. So if you're physically painful right now, Jesus gets it. Next type of pain is emotional pain. Jesus dealt with this. Look at Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, verse number 3. It says this. It says, he was despised, he being Jesus, was despised and rejected by men. I, this is so strange to me. A man of sorrows and equated with grief. And as one, whom from, and as one from whom men hide their faces... He was despised, and we esteemed him not. You know what hurts? Rejection. Hurts. Nobody likes to be rejected, Jesus gets it. Nobody likes to be told, basically, that they aren't this, or they aren't that. But Jesus gets it. I, I always get a kick out of, as some of you have seen these before, and I don't remember exactly what it was called. But when I was a kid, it would be on TV, usually around this time of year, um, usually at night. Something that it was always the Ten Commandments, right? And then they would show this one, and I don't know what it was, but it was basically the life of Jesus. And some of you are thinking of it right now, you know exactly what this is. And Jesus would come out. And, and I used to think this even as a kid. It's like, Jesus is so pretty. 
Jesus looks so nice. He's just got this little, nice little face and everything. And, and I'm going, I don't think that's what Scripture says about him. He was rejected. He, he, was, he, was, he was despised. I mean, look, I know some of us are rejected in life, but, but let's be honest. Are we really despised by people? Maybe we are, maybe we're not. But that emotional pain can destroy us. That emotional pain, if we don't allow Jesus to come in and do something deep, deep inside of us, will destroy us from the inside out. And Jesus gets it. Jesus has been there. I mean, just think. Think about the cross scene. He's sitting up there, he's on the cross, and he's being mocked. Mocked by the people who he came to die for. They basically look at him and say, listen, if you really are the Christ, come down. Now, I'll just be honest with you, because I'm a horrible, terrible person. I'd have come down off that cross. I think most of us would have come down off that cross. And I would have been like, you want to play? Here we go. But here's the amazing thing. If Jesus had saved himself, he wouldn't have saved anyone else. And so he suffered that emotional taunting, that emotional just rejection by the people that he was dying to save. For the people that he was giving his life for, Jesus gets it. And then the final one is relational pain. Relational pain. (laughs) Boy, sometimes we're bad at that, aren't we? Sometimes we just aren't good at that. And so relationally, we, we have trouble. Relationally, we have problems. Relationally, we have conflicts. You don't believe me? Anybody here have a family? Okay? I, I always, somebody always told me this. It's like, there's always a crazy one in the family. And if you don't know who the crazy one is, it's probably you. Now, please do not look at each other right now. Okay, because I could already see that kind of like, I'm going to look here at my dad, or I'm going to look here at my mom and go, it's you, you know. You, it may be you, you know. So just be aware of that. But relationally, things are hard sometimes. Relationally, we don't see eye to eye. Relationally, we have pain that can come from that. People do things or say things that we don't understand. They do things or say things that hurt us. And we kind of need to be willing to understand that even in that moment that Jesus gets it. He understands. His own family. Jesus' own family tries to put him away because they think he's nuts. Sometimes there's relational pain. But here's what we need to understand. He experienced the day of pain so he could help you through yours. You get that? He experienced his day of pain so he could help you get yours. In Hebrews, it talks about this. It talks about the fact that he's experienced it all. He knows how you feel. Sometimes we need to understand that. We can't allow Jesus, we can't allow our Father to be distant from us. And he's way over here, and we're way over here, and he doesn't get it. Jesus understands. He experienced it all. He gets it. Now, some of you may be living through your Friday of life. Some of you right now may be involved in pain, may be involved in relationships, involved in things that are hurting, things that are painful. And you know what? Jesus knows and he cares. 
He doesn't just know, he cares. And he wants to help you through that. Now listen, sometimes that's going to be how you, let's just be honest, when we're hurting, we just want the pain to go away. That's all we want. It's just, it's just my, my, my head hurts, or, or I'm sick, or, or my nose is stuffed up, or, or I broke something. I just want the pain to stop hurting. And you need to understand something. Sometimes Jesus won't remove the pain. Okay? You need to understand that. Sometimes he won't do that. And we want him to. We think, God, why can't you just do that? You can do anything. You're powerful and you're strong. Why can't you just make it go away? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you. I'm not going to say, you know, you're in this pain. Jesus is going to come. He's going to take care of it. And you're going to just be walking in roses. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes there's trouble. In fact, Jesus said that. In this life, you will have trouble. You will have pain. Jesus had pain. But this I know. I don't know a lot. But this I know. There is no pain his purpose cannot redeem. There is no pain his purpose cannot redeem. Yeah, there may be pain, but there's a reason. There's a purpose behind it. And you may not always understand it, but there is always purpose. There is always a reason. There is always a greater thing. Now, maybe you'll see it someday. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll see it in eternity. Maybe you'll see it on the earth. We don't know, but you need to know that. You need to hold on to that, that there's a reason behind it. Listen, I'm talking about my father. I'm going to talk about this really, really quickly. And this may be good for some of you. It may be bad for some of you otherwise. My father became a diabetic when he was 17 years old. He was the only person in his family ever to go to college. You know why he went? Because he was diabetic. The only reason he went to college was because he got a scholarship because he was diabetic. He's the only way he was able to go. Guess what he did there? He got a degree, and that was great, but guess what else he did? He met this lady named Kathy, who he fell in love with and married. Then a couple years later, they had a son. I wouldn't be here if my father would have been diabetic. Now, for some of you, that may be a good thing. For some of you, it may not be. But there was still purpose behind the pain. I never talked to my father about this, but I know him fairly well. And I think if I talked to him about this, I think his response would be this, Aaron, to have you and your brother and your sisters and your mother and now our grandkids, it was worth every shot, every prick to have you. There is always purpose. You may not always understand it, you may not always get it. It may not be as clear cut as you would like it to be. But there is always purpose. Because God is that big and he's that great. The second thing that we're going to look at, of course, is Saturday. Saturday was the day of confusion. Look at Matthew 27 with me really quickly. Matthew 27, 59, it says this. Joseph, this is Joseph of Arimathea, after the crucifixion. Joseph took the body and he wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. I have a quick question for you. Where are the disciples? Now, we know John is at the crucifixion, but now we see death has taken place. Jesus' body is being wrapped, and he's being placed in the tomb. And all that's there is Joseph and a couple women. Where are the disciples? Where are they at? 
The Bible is somewhat silent on it. Now, we have some clues because the way uh, on Resurrection Sunday, the, the, the women were able to go find the disciples, but they're not there. Listen, we got to understand something, okay? This, this, this sounds funny and sounds weird, but, but, but listen, you ever, you ever had this happen? You, 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 you get the game, you're going to watch the game, you get it on the DVD, okay? You're, or the DVD, you're, not the DVD, the DVR, okay? So you've recorded the game, but you can't see it immediately. And so you're sitting there, and you're waiting, and you're going to get home or whatever, and then basically somebody comes up to you, has no idea you're DVRing the game, and says, man, wasn't it great? Our team won! And you go, thank you, I hate you. You just ruined it. Now, most of the time, we won't go home and watch it. Okay, we know what happens. Why, why waste our time? But we need to understand the Bible in certain ways. And this is going to sound silly, but you've got to go with me here. They didn't know what was coming. Okay? They didn't get it. We, we see in Scripture, the disciples don't truly get that Jesus has to come, suffer, die, raise again until Jesus is already raised. Okay, it's, not like, it's not like the disciples are sitting there going, Oh, man, man, Friday, man, that was tough. But hey, it's okay. Sunday's coming. <laughs> they didn't have a clue. They were confused. They didn't know what was coming next. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know the next knock on the door was not going to be some, some Roman soldier grabbing them and taking them off to be crucified. They don't know. They're gone. They've spent the last three years of their life preparing for this moment. And they're thinking, this is going to be the great the triumphal entry. We're going to take over. We're going to kick out Rome. This is going to be great. And then they watch Jesus taken away, beaten, and crucified. And then put in a tomb. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. You know, when we're confused, we begin to ask some questions. When we're confused, we begin to ask a couple things. Here's the first thing. You know, we want answers. You know what? We want answers. When we're confused, we go to God. We all do this. We go, God, why? God, why? You ever ask God that? God, just why? I've done it. I've done it a lot. Like, God, why did you let this happen? God, why did you did this happen to this person? Or why, 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 why? You know, let me explain something to you. Sometimes God will answer you, and sometimes God won't. But we go, why? We ask why. We wonder why. We also be, we begin to doubt. When we're confused, we begin to doubt. Did, did God really say that? Did, did Jesus really do that? Does God really love me? When we're confused, we give up. We give up. We say, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. I don't understand. I don't get this. And it becomes difficult. And I think the last thing is we feel alone. We feel alone. You ever had those moments where you just feel like, I think it was said that the heavens are brass. There's just, it's like you pray. It just does that almost. We feel alone when we're confused. We feel alone. But God answers this. Let's look at Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, the psalmist says this. This is the first part in verse number 16. He says, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. When I tried to figure it all out, when I asked why, when I felt alone, when I went through all this stuff, when all this stuff, when I tried to get it, I was troubled deeply. But he doesn't stop there. He continues in verse number 17. And in verse number 17, he says this, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. 
until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Listen, if it's Saturday for you and you're confused, if it's Saturday for you and you don't understand, you've been asking God, maybe, maybe you've been in Saturday for a long, long, long time, and you've just kind of got into that place where you kind of just live there. Of God, why? Why did you let this happen? God, why did you do this? God, why, why, why? You need to understand something. It is going to trouble you deeply. It is. We want to understand. We want to figure stuff out. We want to come to that place where we get it all. But the problem is, is we can't see tomorrow and God can. The problem is, is we don't understand how God is moving all the pieces together and making them all fit. And sometimes when he does that, you're not going to be able to see the picture. You're not going to be able to understand why God, why does this piece have to fit here? Why did this have to happen? Or what did this have to take place? Listen, when that happens and you are deeply troubled, here's the answer. You go into the sanctuary of God. You get into his presence. You get into worship. You get into his word. You begin to digest those things. Now, does that mean that you're going to have all your answers? No. It means that in the sanctuary of God, we understand what truly matters. In the sanctuary of God, it's not always about understanding every little thing. It's about trusting God that he's got us and that he's got you. Even when you don't understand even when it's hard, even when you're sitting there and you go, this just doesn't make sense. When we go to that place and we get in his presence, there is peace. There is joy. There is a peace that passes all understanding. And that's why this I know. There is no confusion. His presence cannot come. There is no confusion that his presence cannot calm. Listen, if you're distraught, if you're worried, get into his presence, guys. Don't, listen, listen, I, I love a good book, and those are great. Those are tools, okay? But they are not going to be enough. You need to get into God's presence. You need to get into his word. You know, listen, listen, we don't do worship before service just to fill the time. That is an opportunity for you as an individual and we as a corporate body to get into the presence of God and experience that calming and experience that love and experience that peace and experience that joy. Listen to me. If you are missing that, if you don't understand how that's supposed to work, let me help you. It's really difficult. The first thing you do is you begin to open your mouth. Everybody can do that. You begin to tell Jesus that you love him. Well, I don't, I don't know the words. I don't, they're on the screen. I don't know the song. Then just begin to tell Jesus you love him. Just begin to express your thankfulness to him. That is worship. And you also need to understand this. Worship is not song Sunday morning. That's a song service. That's a worship service. Worship takes place every single moment of every single day. The question is quite simple. Who are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? But you're worshiping all the time. And you can worship yourself and your preferences and your desires, or you can put your worship where it belongs, which is on the Father who is worthy and glorified. That is up to you. But you are always worshiping. Do not forget that. And I want my life to be worshiped. I want my life to be a sweet-smelling incense into my father's nose. That's what I want. Because I'll be honest with you, you can come up here, jump up and down, do all that sort of stuff, and then walk out of this place, 
And your life isn't worship. Your life isn't a sweet smell. It's not that incense that we see in Scripture. I heard one of somebody say, it doesn't matter how high you jump, if when you hit the ground you can't walk straight. Now, is this important? Yeah. It's why we do it. Listen, I know you guys maybe not know me all that well, but let me explain something to you. There is nothing that we do that doesn't have a reason and a purpose and a biblical understanding behind it. Nothing. I'm sorry. You may come to me and say, why are we doing this? Because it's not, this, biblically, it's not we're not doing that. That's not important. That's not what we see in Scripture. This matters because it brings us to a place of closeness with our Father. And he desires to have that with us. He wants that. Listen, I just got a simple question. If your heavenly father will sing and dance over you, then what's your excuse? Because I got a feeling it's probably not good enough. I'm just saying. He died for us and rose for us. He's worthy, folks. He is. And we need to grow up and start understanding that. God loves you so much. And we sit there and forget what his worship and what his presence can do in our lives. Listen, if you're confused, if you're bothered, get in his presence. It'll bring peace. It'll bring joy. It'll bring all the fruit of the spirit that we long for. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, let's move on. Day number three. Sunday is the day of resurrection. I am so glad because I've been in my days of pain. I've been in my days of confusion. But there is a third day. There is a day that we get to celebrate. It's the day that we're focusing on today. And that is the resurrection of Jesus. I love the fact, and we were talking about this with the worship team before we came out here and we were praying. I love the fact that, that you can go to Israel. And I've never been to Israel. Maybe one day I will, and that would be an awesome experience. And I know there's a couple sites, and they're not quite sure. Maybe the garden tomb is where Jesus was crucified or, or buried. Maybe it was another place, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. All I know is this. Wherever you go, it's empty. It's empty. You go somewhere in Illinois, you go to Lincoln's grave, guess who's in there? Lincoln. I remember a joke when I was a kid, something like, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Anybody know? General Grant, yeah. I don't know why that was funny back in the 30s when I saw like a Little Rascals movie, but I just remember that. I don't know why I'm, you know, maybe somebody explained that to me. But where you go to see these tombs, they're, they're, they're in there. Now, maybe it's just dust now, but, but that's where they were placed, and that's where they stayed. You go to Jesus' tomb, it's empty. Nobody's there. Nobody's home. I mean, think about it. I don't know if there's ever been a place that more people have gone to visit to see nothing. You know, you go someplace, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go see the Washington Monument. I'm going to go see this. I'm going to go see that. You go to, to Jesus' tomb, and it's like, mm, okay. Yeah. It's still awesome. It's still beautiful because he rose. He rose again. And I love that we see this. Look at John chapter 11. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever, whoever lives by believing in me We'll never die. We'll never die. And then he asked this question. Do you believe this? 
Jesus says these words in John, the 11th chapter. This is right before he brings Lazarus back to to life as he's talking to Lazarus' sisters. This I know. This I know. There is no death. His power cannot resurrect. There is no death. His power cannot resurrect. Some of you have heard me talk about my grandfather. It's hard not to get emotional. I'm sorry. I would tell you a story. And I told it actually at his funeral. I didn't do his funeral because I would have been a blubbering mess. But they asked me to share a couple words and I got up there and other than my father, my grandfather is my most favorite man that's ever lived. And we were very close. And grandpa, as he, as he, as he was younger, he would play softball and we would play baseball out in the front yard at his house and just have a great time. And as he got older, his, his shoulder became problematic where he couldn't, he couldn't raise his shoulder over his head. Okay, Couldn't do it. He could raise it about here, and that was about it. And the doctor was giving him, you know, strengthening exercises, and they weren't really working. But in his right arm, he couldn't raise it up very high. And I remember we had gone back. Emily and I were married at the time, and we'd gone back to Kansas City to celebrate Thanksgiving. And we were going to go. We had just had Thanksgiving, and we were going to go watch a a light, some lights come on, like in Kansas City, it's a big thing. Um, But some lights were going to come on. And, and at this time, Grandma and Grandpa had this little dog, just a little bitty thing. And I remember Grandpa came out, and he wasn't necessarily sick at the time, um, he, but he was getting more frail. And we're pulling out of the long driveway at my Grandma and Grandpa's house at the time. And Grandpa comes out like his tradition was to, to wave us goodbye. And he reached down, he, he picked up Gidget, the little dog, put Gidget in his left hand, and I can just see it like it was 10 minutes ago. And he picks up Gidget, and he puts it in his hand. And he puts his arm up, and he just begins to wave. And this is as high as he can go. This is it. Can't go any higher. He reaches down, he takes Gidget's little paw, and he waves Gidget's little paw, and then back up. And I'm not saying that God spoke to me in an audible voice or anything like that, but there was just this moment where it was like God was preparing me because he said, remember this moment. Less than a month later, my father or my grandfather went home to be with Jesus. And I remember being at the funeral and I got up and I told that story of Grandpa. My last memory. You know, people were like, do you want to go see Grandpa in your casket? I nope, I don't. And they said, well, well why not? I said, I, I, I want to remember him waving. That's what I want my last memory to be. So I didn't, I didn't see him. When they started the ceremony, they closed the casket. And I got up there and I began to tell that story. I began to tell of Grandpa waving. But the story doesn't end there. 
You see, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. And I said, you know, the last time I saw my grandfather, I watched him wave like this. I said, but this I know. One day, whether it's when we all go home or when I go home, I'm going to walk on those streets and I'm going to look. And Grandpa's not going to be waving like this. He's going to be waving like this. Because he's got life. Because God has resurrected him too. There is a reason why Jesus didn't stay in the grave. There is a reason why on that third day he was raised back to life. It's so that we in turn could experience that as well. So we get to sing, death where is your victory? Death where is your sting? Because we're not going to be in that place anymore. Yes, you may be on Friday. You may be on Saturday. But Sunday is coming and it will come. It will come. It doesn't matter what you're facing or what you're dealing with. It will come no matter what you're doing. We will know that there is no death. That his power can't resurrect. There is no death that he can't overcome. Because he overcame it all. He did it all. It's done. It's finished. It's over. And now that tomb is empty. And we can walk boldly into the presence of God. Because we have been ransomed by his son. And so I don't have to be upset because I am going to see my grandfather again. I am going to see him again and I'm going to hold him again. And God is going to restore all things because he is the resurrection and the life. Him, him, it's all about him. Listen, I love Easter. I love bunnies. I love eggs. I love chocolate. I love it all. But it's about him. It's not about special numbers. It's not about coming together and doing special stuff. It's about understanding that this day, in this moment, we went from death to life. We went from bondage to freedom. And that's something to celebrate. And that's something to be excited about. And quite honestly, we don't need bunnies to do it. And if you do, you probably don't really understand what Jesus has done for you. And I'm just sorry. But that's just the truth. This day isn't about making it special because of all the other stuff. It's about understanding what Jesus has done for you and done for me. The fact that because he lives, we get to too. Because he was raised, we will be too. And so we can celebrate. Because he didn't stay there. Listen, no matter where you are at, whether it's confused or disappointed, angry or bitter, no matter where you are at, no matter where you are at in your journey of life, if you know Jesus, Sunday will come. Sunday will come. And I can't tell you when, and I can't tell you how, But I do know Sunday will come. And what a day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. When I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. 
that'll take me by the hand and lead me to the promised land. What a day. Glorious day. That will be. If the worship team would come back, we're going to close. Can you do me a favor? Can you um, bow your heads and close your eyes? I mean, this may sound weird, but um, I just want to help you to focus and complete disclosure. I need to get a Kleenex, okay? Jesus, you're so good. Jesus, you're so good. Okay, now it's time to be honest, okay? Now it's time to really look at our hearts and be honest, because it's, it's silly to lie to anybody, but it's crazy to lie to ourselves. Where you at? What day you in? Now maybe, maybe you're in Sunday right now, and that's awesome. I love, I love Sundays, you know what I mean? Sundays are great, but sometimes we're not there. Sometimes we're in days of pain, whether it be physically, emotionally, relationally. Sometimes we're in, we're in days of confusion. Sometimes we're in days of confusion where we just don't understand. And look, there's a lot more days, guys, but I would say this. If you're in a day where you're not experiencing the close intimate relationship with Jesus that Jesus came and gave his life for, then you're probably not on Sunday. And that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. That, that just means you're human. That just means that there's hard things. We deal with hard things. We deal with, with moments in our life that are difficult. Earlier I said that Jesus talked about in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. No matter what you're facing, Jesus knows. No matter what you're going through, Jesus understands. He gets it, and he gets you. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I just don't fit in. I just don't, I just don't understand said, nobody gets me. And I'm like, oh man, you could not be more wrong. Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. He gets every heartbeat, every tear, every misunderstanding. He gets it all. But maybe before we get out of here and go have other things, I just need to ask this question. Maybe, maybe you've never experienced going from death to life. Maybe, maybe you've never been there. Maybe you've been on a Friday and a Saturday and you've kind of had no hope because you didn't know there was a Sunday. I mean, maybe you, you know, you've heard about Jesus. You know, I mean, we hear about it. But you really didn't understand what it meant. Really quickly, I wanted to help you to understand what it meant what it means. 
In the Old Testament, God gives the law. And that law is given to help us understand what's right and wrong. Things that we need to do or not do. But we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all broken the law. Every single one of us. None of us are perfect. We all mess up. And so because of that sin, we have separation from God. We, we, God is kind of at a distance. And so Jesus came and he offered something. He offered himself. You see, we need to understand this. God is love and God is merciful, but God is also just. God is just and there will be justice. And you've got to understand that. You have to understand that. We love to talk about mercy and grace. And you can't have mercy and grace without justice. Because without justice, there's no need for it. It's as simple as that. And so Jesus came. And he offered himself for us. And when that happened, God's justice was fulfilled. A price had been paid. You've maybe heard people talk about how Christians say that they're redeemed. We've been redeemed because of what Jesus did. He gave his life so that we could once again come and have close relationship with God. That's what this is. It's not more complicated than that. And he did all this. God did all this. Jesus did all this. The Spirit did all this because he loves us so much. And so maybe today, you've never really understood that before. Maybe today, you didn't always understand why you had such a hopeless understanding of life. Whether you were in Monday or Saturday or somewhere in between, you, you, you could just never find that Sunday. Listen, this I know. It is only found in Jesus Christ. It is only found when you go home to him. And that's what we're offering. That's what God is offering is an opportunity to go home where you were created to be, where you were designed to be. And so I'm not going to leave this place without giving you an opportunity to say, yeah, that's what I need. I'm tired of living on Saturday. I'm tired of living on Friday. Today is my day of Sunday. Today is my day where I become resurrected too. So I'm not going to take a lot of time. I'm just going to simply ask you to do this. With every head bowed, eyes closed, because this is not between you and your, your person sitting next to you. This is between you and the Father. I just want to pray for you. We're not going to have you stand up and do the hokey pokey. I just want to pray for you and with you. That's it. And so in about three seconds, I'm going to say, if that's you, just look up at me. Now make sure I make eye contact with you. And when you and I make eye contact, put your head back down. But I want to pray with you. So if that's you, really quickly, and you say, I want that today. I want Jesus. Just look at me right now. It's good. Anybody else? Good. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for those this morning that have said yes to you. What a day to do it. I mean, goodness gracious. And so, Father, right now, we thank you. We thank you for that gift. We thank you for that. And so right now, 
listen, I need you to do this with me. Christians, everybody, come on. I need, we, we, we need to do this together. I need everybody to repeat after me right now, okay? Father, I love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for Jesus. And right now, if I never have, I accept him. I believe he was the son of God. And he gave his life for me. I say it. I proclaim it. I believe it. Thank you, Jesus. I can come home now. I'm yours. And I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us that are maybe been Christians or are Christians and we're in that day. Listen, you don't have to live in, in, in Friday or Saturday or anywhere in between. It is time to get back to Sunday. So you need to make that decision for yourself. You get to make that choice where you say, Father, I'm going to stop living in the shadows. I'm going to stop living in days that I don't belong in. And I'm going to live in Sunday. I'm going to live in the resurrection power of your son. I make that choice. I make that decision. No one can make it for me. And situations and circumstances cannot rob me of it. Right now, Jesus, I choose to live in my Sundays because there is hope. There is joy. There is love. There is peace in your presence and in in the plan that you have. So Father, I choose right now in the name of Jesus, I proclaim it to live in my Sundays because that's what you have for me. You have a life that is full and a life that is extravagant and a life that is unwaveringly amazing. Not because life will always be perfect, but because you are with us and you walk with us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Let's all stand right now. The worship team's gonna come and lead us in a closing song and then we'll be dismissed.